Good morning and happy Sabbath, everyone. Uh, I hope that this week has been um, a much better week for many of you. I know that for us, now that uh, school has started and uh, both of the kids are out of the house, it gives us a chance to kind of just regroup. And um, yeah, this week was a much better week. Um, Jin Ha sent out a message to uh, all of you who are a part of our church and asked a question, what what brings you joy? And uh, we had we had some submissions, and so I just wanted to share that as a way of introducing today's topic of uh, the fruit of the Spirit being joy. So Lily sent a picture here of uh, Simon and his friends um, kind of frolicking through the puddles, and she had mentioned Simon brings her joy. And if you look at that look on Simon's face, you can definitely see why he would bring her much joy. James here, uh, James and Kim recently adopted a cat, and uh, James shared a couple pictures here just showing how his cat brings him joy, and also bike riding uh, brings him joy. I definitely envy James's schedule over the last couple months as he's been able to go on bike rides and, um, yeah, just spend more time at, uh, at home as well and enjoying the outdoors. Norelle sub- submitted a picture of her dogs. Um, you can tell by the look on those two dogs' faces that uh, they just bring lots of joy um, to Norelle. Jinha submitted a picture of Bible journaling, and uh, she's saying how, um, yeah, just the process of spending time with God and and um, kind of expressing different um, artistic talents brings brings about joy and peace in her life. Martin and Janice uh, share how baking brings them joy. Uh, our family were f- recipients of that joy. Um, if you feel so inclined or close to Martin and Janice, definitely hit them up for some bread. It's it's very, very good bread. And Galen shared about it. Well, I'm not sure exactly from this picture if... <laughs> no. Basically, ice cream brings Galen joy. And we had to, we had to make the, we had to make this picture G friendly. And so anyway, Janelle shared this picture of how uh, she was online and um, just seeing this little girl, um, being so readily and willing to help, um, even though that it was a statue, she didn't realize it was a statue, but just seeing this, this, this heart of this little girl brought her joy. Ruth from Geelong was sharing how um, just going on walks in the outdoors brings her joy, and the, being a part of our church community brings her joy. So I just want to say thank you for sharing your photos. Um, today we're going to be talking about um, the, the fruit of the Spirit, or joy as a fruit of the Spirit. Um, in the Bible, there are different words to communicate joy, uh, but the most common Greek word is kara, which can have multiple meanings. And uh, the word kara can mean uh, a state of experiencing joy. In other words, playing footy gives me such joy. Uh, The word kara can also be a source of joy. My children give me so much joy. And kara can also mean, um, it, it can be an expression of joy. So when I saw her or him, I jumped for joy. So today, uh, I just wanted to spend some time on this topic, not so much to lock in a definition of joy, but really to add to your current understanding so that you can experience more joy in your life. Um, before we revisit the fruit of the Spirit, um, uh, before we revisit the text of the fruit of the Spirit, I just want to invite you to join me for a word of prayer.
Father God, as we've been going through this series, I just want to pray that your spirit would fill our lives, that you would help us to experience joy, that you would help us to be able to connect with you. And as we develop these character traits, may we um, may we encounter uh, your presence, your mission, your direction for our lives. We pray this in your name. Amen. So let's revisit the fruit of the Spirit. Um, I just wanted to revisit um, or review um, what we've covered so far in this series. And uh, maybe, Jen Hoff, you can just forward the slide for me. So just reviewing part one of this series, um, we gave a couple uh, points last week. The first one was that virtues can inform what or who we strive to become. Um, having a compass for our character can help lead, guide, and direct our lives. So we're encouraged by our surroundings to be hardworking, intelligent, tolerant, but the question is, what does God want? We also discussed that there's a link between us developing the character of God and discovering the call of God. So God desires to produce this fruit through the Spirit because these traits reflect the very character and mission of God. So last week we looked at love, and this week we're going to be looking at joy. Okay, so Galatians 5, and 23, it says, But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, long-suffering, kindness, and goodness. And... Um, if you look at the fruit that are listed, uh, these fruit are often seen as character traits. Uh, Paul says that we should cultivate character traits that resemble these things. But the question that I want to kind of discuss today is, what does it mean to embody joy as a character trait? How do you practice joy as a way of life? So Philip Kennison places the experience of joy along the side of the experience of pleasure to unpack this question of uh, what it means to practice joy as a way of life. So he writes that pleasure can often be pursued for its own sake. In other words, uh, pleasure can be found in an activity. It can be found in something or someone. Um, for some, shopping brings about pleasure. Uh, for others, eating good food brings about pleasure. In contrast, joy cannot be pursued as an outcome. So C.S. Lewis writes, Joy cannot be pursued for its own sake. Rather, joy is a byproduct whose very existence presupposes that you desire not it, but something other and outer. And I realize that sentence might be a little bit uh, confusing to, to kind of digest, but... Um, just to give an example, one of the great joys in my life is when my kids come up to me unprovoked and give genuine affection. And if we can just put that slide up or just transition. Yep. So if I go to Micah or Joshua and ask, can I have a cuddle? Most of the time they'll come and give me a hug. Joshua does this move where he sits on my lap, he hunches over, and I can tell he's thinking, uh, I wish this were over. My point is, when I ask for affection, it's just not as good as I think it's going to be. But then there are moments when I pick up Joshua from childcare, and he sort of screams in excitement, ah! and then he jumps into my arms, and then he burrows right between my neck and my shoulder. And basically, the experience of receiving that affection without requesting for it, it's just a totally different experience. Micah is different. He likes to cuddle, but when he's in a really good place, he gives deference and obedience. 
So then for me, living out joy with my kids, uh, it means that I have to shift my priority from asking for affection or seeking affection and reprioritizing my relationship with them. So I'm doing everything I can to make sure that we are good, that um, my interest is their well-being as opposed to affection. And in that place of feeling that connection, when the boys out of their own volition, then give affection, I have then encountered and experienced joy. So joy is about reprioritizing our values so that we become other-centered and outward-focused. So joy causes us to value the goose over the golden egg. Uh, Joy causes us to value education over good marks. Uh, Joy develops a depth of character that's genuine. It's, It's not entitled. It prioritizes process over results. So in John 15, verses 8 to 11, Jesus says, By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. So Jesus says that joy is the result of this genuine connection with God. Uh, When we take time and effort in recognizing God's presence and God's will, that connection becomes this source of joy. I want to spend a few moments exploring suffering and joy. I think in general, there's a strong association between happiness and joy. Uh, there's a sentiment that one needs to escape or avoid difficult circumstances and difficult people in order to find happiness and joy. There are moments when this is true. I think there are circumstances of incredible injustice. Uh, there are work environments or relationships uh, that are abusive. There are circumstances uh, when incredible difficulty, it requires change. And that change is right. There are also moments when the avoidance of a perceived difficulty will not bring about joy. In the Bible, there are moments when instead of linking happiness and joy, it links suffering and joy. So in Mark chapter 4, verse 16 and 17, Jesus gives this parable And I've stated previously that Jesus is a source for joy. But in this parable, Jesus says that being connected to him, it doesn't eliminate suffering and difficulty. Sometimes following Christ is the cause of suffering. I'm sure many of you have experienced moments when you do the right thing and people get upset for it. Um, Or there's a relationship that you need to prioritize and that relationship feels like it's the source of difficulty. Um, In the last two months, if someone were to offer me money for my kids, I would have considered it. So there are moments when we cannot separate ourselves from suffering. Uh, How are we to find joy in these moments? So the Bible has a few different perspectives on cultivating joy in the midst of suffering. Living joyfully, and I want to say as I introduce this topic, because um, I think sometimes it's easy just to say, oh, we as Christians, we should be joyful in difficult times. And just as a way of introducing this idea of cultivating joy in the midst of suffering, um, 
living joyfully in spite of difficulty, it doesn't require us to deny the reality um, of suffering and pain. I think suffering and pain are real. Um, and they can take the toll on people with the greatest of faith. And um, these Bible verses are here just to provide hope and help in the midst of that difficulty, as opposed to kind of putting a bandage over um, that difficulty and just say, just cop it in the chin and move forward. So the first text that I want to look at is uh, Romans chapter 12, verse 12. And Paul writes here, uh, to be joyful in hope, patient in affliction. Um, Paul is saying in the midst of difficulty, joy can become, uh, joy can come from hope. The famous theologian Karl, Karl Barth said, the joy of a Christian stands as a defiant nevertheless. So the Bible talks about suffering as something that is temporary. Uh, the follower of Christ can say, what I'm going through right now is terrible, it's difficult. But because of Christ, this is not the end. And this suffering does not have the final word. So throughout this time of the uh, social distancing, uh, numerous people sent us encouraging text messages. Uh, over the course of the last two months, many of you have been an encouragement to Jinha and I, and I just I want to say thank you. Uh, over the last maybe 10 days, uh, people were sending us messages, hey, schools are, schools are opening soon, hang in there. And I remember counting down the days, eight days left, seven days left, six days left. And just on Tuesday of this week, it was just the moment that we dropped off Micah and Joshua. There's kind of this sense of relief. But just knowing that relief would come made the suffering bearable. I think the hope of the future made a tremendous difference in the present difficulty. And I just hope that the ultimate hope that's presented in Scripture, um, that ultimate hope in God's resolution for for humanity can give you that hope and that joy in the midst of your present suffering. So Peter takes a different approach in connecting joy and suffering. In 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 12 to 19, Peter says that God is with you in suffering and his presence can bring you joy. Here's how. As you read, I'm just going to share a few thoughts. Peter says to rejoice in suffering. And this idea is not supposed to encourage masochism. The Bible isn't instructing us that suffering is a source of joy. Uh, if, if you can go back to the slide, just so people can read through it. Um, the Bible isn't instructing us that suffering is a source of joy. Rather, Peter is saying that in certain kinds of suffering, particularly the suffering that comes from being faithful to Christ, a certain joy can be found. So if you look at verse 13, Peter says that when we suffer for the right things, we suffer with Christ. Uh, in our suffering, we follow in the footsteps of Jesus, and we get to give to God what he gave to us in his suffering. So when you do good in a moment, when the other party or the circumstance doesn't deserve your goodness, it puts a smile on the face of God. And there's a special connection that is formed with Christ as we follow in his footsteps. So the point here is that doing good in a moment of difficulty is often less difficult when you think about the good that others have done for you. So for Peter, Paul, and many other disciples, doing good in moments of difficulty 
brought joy in their lives. Here's one example. In Acts chapter 16, verse 22 to 25, there's a story of Paul and Silas getting thrown in jail. As you read through the story, you find that they're beaten, they're flogged, they're thrown in prison, and then they start praying and singing. When it would be perfectly normal for God to be the last thing on their minds, uh, when they could very well be angry with God, they pray. And in the midst of that prayer, they connect with God and joy just fills their hearts and they start singing in worship. There are moments when Micah, without us asking, restrains himself. Um, He restrains himself from doing what he wants and does what he thinks will make us happy. So uh, I think a couple weeks ago, Micah came out to me and he's like, Hey, look, Daddy, I cleaned up my toys. And in response, I kind of, my face lights up and I'm like, wow, thank you. And him seeing me respond in joy gave him joy. And I could see him kind of like try and hide a smile like it wasn't a big deal, but really it was. The Bible writer James takes another approach or a third approach to finding joy in suffering. In James chapter 1, verses 2 to 4, James says that in suffering, Joy can be found in knowing that the difficulty is making you a stronger person. As you know, when it comes to exercise, strength comes from resistance. And without resistance, your muscles atrophy and they tend to wither away. God can use your suffering to produce greatness. And I want to make a distinction between the idea that there's a purpose to your suffering and God using your suffering to produce greatness or God using your suffering to make you a stronger person. I don't think every bit of suffering has a purpose. Uh, Sometimes there isn't a purpose to a tragedy. Um, You can ask the question, why are U.S. police officers murdering African Americans while they're in custody? God, why did you let this happen? I don't think you can answer that question. Uh, We live in an unjust society, and this world is corrupt and broken. So arguing over God's purpose can never be resolved in certain circumstances. Arguing that God should fix all the mistakes we as humans make also is not a sustainable solution. So it's not always helpful to theorize the purpose for pain, but in each case of suffering, we can respond. And God can use our response to produce something great. So then we are called to action in the midst of suffering and persecution. The Bible writer uh, James says, rise to the challenge and know that God is going to make you stronger. And that strength will give you a reason to have joy. So just in summary of what we've covered so far, Um, in terms of this idea of the Bible connecting suffering and joy. Um, Hope for the future can give us joy in the present difficulty. In our present suffering, we can encounter the presence of Christ. As we give, the smile of God can give us a reason to rejoice. And finally, challenges give us opportunities to rise to greatness, and that can also bring us joy. So I've got a science experiment here. I've got a bag Uh, full of water and I just yeah it's in frame so I've got this bag of water the water is my joy or the my capacity to experience joy God is the bag he's the protector of my joy and these pencils these sharp pencils are um, difficult circumstances that threaten to take away my joy and 
this first pencil, it represents my job. My job stresses me out. I hate my job. I actually value my job. Like it's a, I, I feel very um, privileged to be where I'm at. This next pencil, this next pencil is my wife. She was grumpy with me this week. Actually, she wasn't. She was actually quite pleasant and lovely. <laughs> this third pencil, this third pencil is Micah. Everything I asked him to do, he did the opposite of. Made me really unhappy. This fourth pencil, this fourth pencil is Joshua. Joshua peed in his nappy, and then he took it off and hid his nappy in the closet. And you might be wondering, did Joshua really do that? Yes, he did. So we have all these circumstances that threaten our joy, and it's easy to fixate on the pencils thinking joy is beyond our grasp. Uh, These difficulties uh, are taking away all of my joy. And I guess my point in this illustration is showing that God's got this. Despite the difficulties, God can protect and cultivate our joy. And sometimes fleeing does the opposite of what we think it will do. Sometimes fleeing the difficulty wah, <laughs> takes, takes away the joy. <laughs> I think initially um, <laughs> that, that, was, uh, that was not as uh, well-planned as I thought it was. <laughs> but you get the point. All right, now that I've poured water all over the house and closely electrocuting myself, we'll move on. So I mentioned that some difficulties should be avoided and others should be faced. How do you know when to fight or when to flee? And here are a few suggestions for this difficult question. Um, The first one is to pray. Um, I think there are moments when you feel conviction uh, in one way or another. And I think spending time and asking God, God, what do you want makes such a big difference. Ask God what he thinks. It gives him an opportunity to commune with your heart, to communicate to you, uh, to convict you. It allows God to place different circumstances in your life to help you know what you should do to move forward. Meditate on Scripture. Take principles from God's Word and see if you sense God impressing you in one way or the other. The second thing that I'd suggest is talk to others. Ask them what they think. Um, Get advice from people that you trust. There's a text in Proverbs 11:14 that says there is no guidance uh, where there is no guidance a people falls but in an abundance of counselors there is safety. Finally when considering fleeing or fighting uh, I find asking a diagnostic question to myself can be helpful. I ask myself am I fleeing because this is right? Am I fleeing out of fear or am I fleeing because I think I'll be happier elsewhere? Sometimes checking your motives uh, is a helpful exercise because it sees what direction you're trying to head to. And uh, allowing uh, allowing yourself to check your motives, I find, is often helpful. As As you consider these things, may you experience an abundance of joy. May God bless you as you practice joy as a way of life. And may you be able to cultivate uh, that sense of being other-centered and outward-focused. May God bless you. Um, 
as pre, uh, as usual, we're going to be breaking out into our Zoom groups, and I'll just invite you to join me for one more word of clo- uh, closing prayer, and then to join us for discussion. Let's pray. Father God, we want to thank you for your other-centeredness, for your outward focus. Uh, we want to thank you for being principled in prioritizing us uh and we just want to pray that um, you would teach us to experience this. May we cultivate this joy in our lives. May we share it with those around us. And may the quality of joy in our community be a force that draws people to you and in connection with you. And uh, we, Father, many of us are experiencing suffering and difficulty. Uh, many of us are have family members who are suffer, uh, experiencing suffering and difficulty. And may you give us resilience in the midst of this, uh, in the midst of these difficulties. And um, may we, may we be able to fix our eyes on that, on that ultimate joy, that ultimate hope. And uh, till that day arrives, we just pray that you would keep us near your heart. We pray this in your name. Amen.